Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. Welcome back to Impact Over Influence. You're on episode four of our Abide series, and today's is titled Abide for Empowerment, because apart from Jesus, we are powerless. And so as we keep going on throughout this study, we've got three more left after today. I pray that if you're jumping on right now that you do go back and listen to the other ones, one on victory, one on abiding for love in the last week's was abiding for truth, and it was deep. It was powerful. And so once once by abiding in Christ, we stay so connected to Him, we get rid of things that we have placed in front of Him so that He can dwell more within us, then once we get that, once He exposes the truth, once he re- we're released from things that hinder us, the power of Christ is what starts to abide in us. So that's where we're going to be at today. I'm going to start off real quick in John chapter 15. That's where we've been, we've been in every single week about the vine and the branches. And so today our part, portion of John 15 is going to be verse 3 through 4. And if my voice sounds a little raspy today, guys, just bear with me. Um, this Texas rain came down finally. I'm so thankful for that. But with that, it brought a little congestion for me. So I do apologize on that. So here we go. John 15, verse 3 and 4. Jesus speaks this, You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. But remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So what makes us clean, what makes us redeemed, what makes us restored is the word that Jesus speaks to us, okay? That's what the word is. He is the word. The word became flesh. We know that from John. And so once we get Jesus, we get cleaned. That's what that says. And by remaining in him, we also are able to bear fruit because apart from him, we can do nothing. So just to reiterate where we're at, why the connection, why the attachment to Jesus is so important for our relationship in Christ A believer has no fruitfulness apart from Jesus, apart from fellowship with him, just as a branch has no fruit if it's not connected to the vine. The power of God has always been delivered to us by his words, just like he says right there. My words is what was able to make this possible. The power of God has always been delivered through his word. Even Jesus, when he was in the desert, that's how he defeated the devil, was by saying, it is written, this is what God said. So there's so much power in that. And the word has never depreciated, y'all, and it's never going to. Hebrews tells us it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God Almighty and His Spirit is the same also. So if these words were powerful for Jesus to use against the enemy, they hold just as much power for us to use. And that's where we're going to be at today. The collaboration and the connection that we get to have, that we get to gain power from God, Through Jesus, nothing of ourselves, but through Jesus, he allows us to be able to do powerful things. So when the disciples were present, I'm going to read a verse verse in Mark 3, 14. Jesus is talking to the disciples right here, and he tells them what they have authority to do. Mark 3, 14 says he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. 
Jesus is the one that appoints authority. That's the first point for today. Jesus is the one that gives us authority. God does not give us authority of of ourselves. He gives us authority through Jesus because Jesus is the vine. We are the branch. Okay? That attachment right there. If we are trying to do things that are powerful for God or to God, but it's apart from Jesus, that's a no-go. Jesus is the one that appoints authority. His name holds power over evil, and by abiding in him, God's able to perform powerful things through us. We should live our lives declaring power in the holy name of Jesus. So I feel like God has always shown his power through Old Testament and New, what he's powerful over. God has power over all things. He is sovereign. God has power over nature whenever he parted the Red Sea. The nature of of the waters had no power, power over him. He was able to part that. Power over nature. He had power over man. So whenever God used power through David to defeat Goliath, Goliath was a man. He was mortal. And he said, look, I have my power is able to be over man. Power over man. Then God also has power over other gods. We see that on Mount Carmel with Elijah. When they're having the prophets of Baal, their God, he said, you put your God up against my God and watch who wins. Our God has power over any other God. Okay? Power over nature, power over man, power over other gods. But do you realize that that power does abide in you? Romans 8.11 says that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is also living in with us. The same power that brought resurrection power is the same power that we get to be attached to by being attached to him as the vine. But do we do we access it? Do we think about that? So if you do realize that, just on an overall evaluation of your life, do you feel like you live your life powerful or powerless? Do you have the I wish God would mentality instead of the no, I know God can if it's his will mentality? We hold our own prayers back. And so by this empowerment episode today, guys, I want us to start realizing that we need to ask for it, that we're not being selfish by asking for it. God is waiting to say, yes, now that you believe that I can, now I will. Because you're coming to me for the power source that I truly am. We started this first episode of this entire series off with the light bulb. The light bulb can be bright. The light bulb can be efficient. The light bulb has purpose. But if it's not connected to the power source, it's nothing but a piece of glass. Okay, we have to be connected to the power source. So I got to thinking about this and about how our world just kind of um, tries to pollute what the power of the Holy Spirit really is. Um, and one of those things that I feel like, even with kids, I'm not saying I'm anti-superhero, but we don't need to look at the Holy Spirit as a superhero because he's way better and way bigger than that. And so it got me to thinking about my little boy he used to love Avengers And uh, he got in this Spider-Man era. I think he was even Spider-Man maybe for Halloween one year. But, you know, Spider-Man, the story of Spider-Man is this normal, regular guy, Peter Parker. If you've never seen the movie, this normal, average guy, kind of nerdy, kind of left out. Nothing powerful about this guy, right? Like he had no sense of authority, no sense of reign, no sense of popularity. But whenever he put on this Spider-Man suit... Boom, he could do miraculous things. He could jump, he could run, he could throw webs, he could save people, he could hold buses, he could hold bridges. All the power came on him when he had on the Spider-Man suit. But if he didn't have that Spider-Man suit on, 
He's just a regular old nothing. Regular old man. And sometimes I feel like we think of that as being how we are. Like, oh, I'm not a superhero. I can't do that. Instead of being like, no, God is, I have empowerment because of the spirit that never is something that I take off. He dwells within me. Scripture tells us we are the dwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. We don't take that off. Instead, are we listening to the Holy Spirit on when he's wanting to use that power in us, when he's wanting to do things through us? Some of you, if you've ever come to salvation, right, like you remember that feeling, that power that you're just like, I got to get up right now. I got to go forward right now. I got to ask for prayer right now. I got to, whatever that was, you know, that heart racing, that power, whatever, we stay in the communion with Jesus Christ and we abide in him. There's, it might be a normal, regular old morning in the office for you, but the power of the Holy Spirit comes over you and you're just like, whoa, what's going on? You have my attention, God. May it be something that we never take off. May we not have this superhero illusion of the Holy Spirit, but realize, no, he is way more powerful than anything we have ever or could ever experience on our own. I'm going to go back now to the Gospel of John. This We're going to be going through a lot of word. If you're listening, awesome. If you're flipping in your Bible, even better. But I'm going to read real quick John 14, 11 through 13. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the work I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus tells us right there that it's his name when we take things to the throne in the name of Jesus that we are asking, in the name of Jesus that we are using as a power source, that he will do it. And he's saying, look, even if you don't believe in my name right now, I know you can believe in the works that you've seen me do. Jesus, is he knows what the people he's talking to right then have seen. Do you know the things that you have seen Jesus do in your life? Think about those things. Think about the the fact that you never thought that you could quit something, or maybe you never thought that you could start something. But right now, you're recollecting of a time where you're like, oh yeah, Jesus showed up then. Let that be a part, and those testimonies be a part of the power source so that you want to access that again. He wants to keep doing it again, and he wants to keep doing greater things. So Jesus tells them, we read earlier in Mark, that he is the one that gives the authority for the power to do what he told them right there, they would drive out demons. They would have authority in his name. Now he says again, very truly, I tell you, you would do greater things. But do you understand that you could do greater things than even Jesus did when he was here on earth because of his name and his power? But it's nothing for you. Instead, it's so that the father will be glorified in the son. God gets the credit. But God wants to partner with us and say, look, Jesus has given you authority to use his name. Jesus has given you authority to use his name. That's the name above all names. I don't know what is powerful for you or someone of stature that you may know. But I think about like whatever it is, if I said, hey, look, this this person right here, the boss sent me. The person with authority here sent me. That means something. 
You have it signed by them. Like, look, this says it right here. And they gave it to me. It holds power. So in verse 13, I want to be quick. uh, I want to just reiterate that in verse 13 of those verses in John 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. Always know that anything that you're asking God to come do or Jesus to come perform or power to, to be evident, it is so God gets glory. It's so that God gets glory. Let's flip real quick now in Philippians chapter 2. I said earlier, talking about Peter Parker just being a regular old guy. So I want us to understand, we're going to read some verses in Philippians, and I'm going to read some in Corinthians about how God does the same thing for us. Why God doesn't just pick people with good last names. Why he does not pick people with a lot of money. Why God wants to do things through average people just like you and I. Okay, Philippians 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. This is going to be a lot of scripture, so just tune in or read it on the screen. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, being abiding in him, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, valuing others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So he's saying, if you really want to be connected in me, your focus isn't going to be for your own fame. Your focus isn't going to be for your own gain. Your focus is going to be for others, just as Christ did that as, his, as being the humble servant that he was. Any, all the power that you need to, and you want to access of God's doesn't need to be for anything of yourself or your own selfish ambition. Does that make sense? So I'm going to pick up again in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equal equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what he's saying right there is, even Jesus didn't walk around thinking that he was all that. Instead, he was like, I want to humbly do this and make myself human, even though I know what it's like to be the majesty of God. He came from God when he came to earth. He knew He knew what that power was, but instead he took on the very nature of a servant. In verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So not only did he become humble, he still maintained that power. You can have the power of Christ and still be a humble person because he was. And his name is the name that above is above every name and that one day every person on earth, above the earth, and under the earth will bow and acknowledge how powerful his name is. So operating in the power of Christ happens when you're okay with not being comfortable. 
Jesus right there, he made himself uncomfortable by being just a regular human. He still got tired. He still bled. He still had emotion. But he was willing to do things and to set the captives free and to go places that he was persecuted and ridiculed and even died an uncomfortable death on a cross so that it would bring glory to the Father. Are you willing to do uncomfortable things to bring glory to the Father? Are you willing to reach out and to sit with someone you normally wouldn't pick to sit with? Are you willing to pray for someone in a public place that you're not comfortable praying with? You see what I'm saying? Are you willing for the power of Christ to think of others' needs more than you are of your own needs? Are you willing to allow the power of Christ to come through you so that it can benefit someone else? Are you willing to get uncomfortable? We need to realize that comfortable to us isn't so comfortable in the Spirit. When you deny these ways that I'm talking about the Holy Spirit's power coming on you like, oh, something's coming, something I need to be aware, and you deny that, that is not comfortable. In the moment, it might be, but you're going to recall that, man, I missed that moment. Man, I missed that chance. Man, God wanted to use me, and I told him no. Because our spirit becomes restless because it knows what, it's, what, it, what it needs. It knows what it's attached to. It's like, hey, man, we're abiding in Christ. Let's be obedient to him. Being comfortable in your flesh is not so comfortable in your spirit. Have you ever said, why won't that person just change? Why won't they just figure out what's causing this? Freedom starts with Christ, but it also continues with Christ. Sometimes people make a decision and they do really good for a while, but then they don't keep abiding in Christ and the enemy comes in. When he comes in, then he taints our testimony, makes it makes it seem like things that we did stand for. Now we're hypocrites, right? All of us fall short, but I just want for this to serve as a reminder to stay abiding in Christ because just because you kicked that habit doesn't mean you can continue to kick that habit if you don't stay connected to the one that helped you kick it in the first place, okay? Abiding in Christ. Verse 9, I just want to reiterate that, that God gave him the name that is above every name. There is no other name that's bigger than Jesus Christ. When you say it, it holds power. Even if you have times in your life that you're just, you feel so out of whack, you are so uncomfortable, you are so, uh, thing is cha- things are chaotic around you. If you will just say, Jesus, that name has power over every single thing that's around you, even things that you don't see with your own eyes. Just say, Jesus, Jesus, your name is above every name. That is power. Okay, now let's talk about the kind of person. So now those verses in Philippians said, be humble. Don't do any, don't want Christ's power so that you can elevate yourself. Do it for the benefit of others, just like Jesus used his power for the benefit of others. Now we're going to read 1 Corinthians. And we're going to talk about how Jesus wants to use people that are just ordinary people. Okay, so now we knew the why we need it. We, we've talked about how we get the power. Now we've talked about why we use the power. But now who? Okay, 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read 18 through probably about 30, but I am going to break it up in between there. So stay with me. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's the gospel. The story of the cross is the power of the gospel of Jesus and his resurrection. 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. So he's saying right there, y'all all think y'all got it all figured out. I think of scientists right now in our day, you know. These people thought they had it figured out. They were philosophers. They were so smart. They were teachers of the law. Yet God, through Jesus, made them look foolish. They didn't think that just a regular guy from Nazareth could be the Messiah. That's what he's talking about. Verse 22, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Okay, he's like, look, the Jews got tripped up because he couldn't be the Messiah. The Greeks, they got tripped up. But for us that are called, us that understand that it is true, us that understand that Jesus Christ is the truth, this makes sense. Because God's strength is stronger than any kind of human strength. He makes humans look weak. And God's wisdom is wiser than anything else. Okay? I think that uh, that's something we need to wrap our minds around. That just because it doesn't make sense to some men doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means that they don't know what we know yet. Moving on, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. I'm telling you that right now. If you're listening to this podcast right now, Think about the kind of person you were before you really knew Jesus. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were noble of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Those verses right there say that God picks the ones that are weak. God picks the ones that are not that smart. God picks the ones that are not of noble birth, that don't have the certain last names, that don't have certain kingship or authority. He picks the people, it says right there, that don't have a big influence. They're not really influential. I know that whenever I started this, I'm like, God, I don't, I'm not married to a celebrity. I don't have a platform. I'm not a famous person. And I don't need to be. And I don't want to be. I don't want anything for my life that he does not want for me. Because I know that I will fall. So when we think about the people that we were before Christ, we know that it had nothing to do with who we are of why he redeemed us. It has to do with who he is. And he wants to do great things through you. He wants to do great things through me. He wants to do great things to, for everyone that he has called. And they're living according to his will because he wants the credit. Because just like that says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. It is because God allows us to be attached to the vine that we produce fruit. We don't do it because of who we are, because we're good. Because we have some sort of stature. God breathes power into people 
that don't have power so that he gets the credit. He gets the credit for all things. Do you settle for your defeats more than you ask God to bring his power in to fight for you in his victory? I ask that as a question because I think that a lot of us as believers can get the, well, it is what it is mentality. Instead of saying, no, God, you have victory in all things. Will you breathe your victory into me so that I can be able to accomplish something through you? That way, it's not just we're settling for it is what it is. Instead, we're like, hold up. Until it's good, God's not done. Whether it be your health, your finances, your marriage, God has victory. He is victorious over all things. God, breathe your power into me so that we can have victory in this. Because defeat is not what I want to settle for anymore. It's time that we start allowing God to collaborate with us. We are made for him and by him. We know that by verses in Colossians. But we have to stop making our own plans and keeping him in a box. We have to stop setting our goals that actually limit our lives rather than elevate them. When we turn our thinking to wanting to be powerless and surrender to the powerful one, we start living lives that we couldn't have, even those of our own. So I want to say that to you. When we start saying, you know what, this is the goal that I have, but we don't pray for a goal, we limit our goal. If we would pray like God Set before me, give me a vision, give me an idea of what you want for me instead of trying to keep him in a box and him bless what we think we want. What God's wanting us to try to change is our settling for the powerless instead to surrender to him as the powerful one. Allow him to set our goals so that we achieve more. Ephesians 3.20, y'all, it says that he will do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So let's stop keeping him in this little box Stop settling for this little life and this little faith. Instead, being like, oh man, until he draws me to glory, I want him to be able to do anything through me. Just like I want him to do anything for me. His power is working within us, not just around us. He doesn't keep his power at a distance. Instead, we get access to him by what? Jesus. Asking for things in God's name. These are things that God wants for us to desire. He's sitting there waiting like, yes, let's go. So there's a few things I want to uh, point out. The gospel is filled with so many powerful miracles. Jesus has, and I wanna, I'm going to give you some verses to go. I'm not going to read the verses, but I want for you to go back and read them yourself. But these are just blunt things, y'all, that are scriptural, that tells us the power that the name of Jesus has. All of, of the four gospels are about Jesus' life, and they're all filled with different miracles and different ways that he performed things how, to show just how powerful his name really is. And so there's other scriptures that I want to read to you right quick, that Jesus has power over dominions and darkness. Luke 10, 17 through 18 says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Then he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to co overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So Jesus right there, they, they understood. They're like, oh, we have powerful to cast these demons out. And he's like, yeah, I'm the one that was there and saw Satan cast down from lightning. You have power over evil things. 
And then he follows it in verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb Book of Life. More than the power that we get that Jesus does through us, the power that we should hold on to the greatest is that we get to be with him one day in glory. The second one I want to read is 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. It says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Jesus has power over sin. The name of Jesus says, hey, look, that right there, that's blotted out against them. It do, it's no longer under Shelley anymore. Power in my name has clean, cleaned her from that. So he has power over sin. This next one is going to be Jesus has power over death. Romans 6, 9. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. And death no longer has mastery over him. So we know that we don't die when we die here on earth. We know that because of him and because he conquered death and he was resurrected, we have resurrection life also through him. That once this life is over with here on earth, we go and we live for eternity. So he has power over death. And the last one that I want to read is that Jesus has power over authority in anything in heaven and in, on earth. Matthew 8, 28, 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. He tells them right as he departs, he gives them the Great Commission. He's like, and hey, guess what? I, my name, I have authority over everything in heaven and on earth. Do you understand that you are abiding and you are attached to the one that has authority over all things? Let's start accessing it. I said earlier that the Gospels are filled with all kinds of miraculous things that Jesus did, things that he had power over. Y'all, these are any things from sicknesses, blindness, blood disease, the crippled, the paralyzed, people that had demonic oppression and possession, and even over death in the story of Lazarus. As we abide in him, I pray that we grow and we trust his power, y'all, and that we become motivated instead of being captive, being motivated that we get to partake in things like that, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others. Because if it's God's will, then he will. And God wants to. But by not asking God, it shows that we don't even believe that he can. Jesus is far more powerful than the lottery. And it's time that we start participating in it. We want to act like, oh, we don't have this, but we're not participating on how to get it. Okay? Let's start participating. I want to end real quick before we do our memory verse. I want to read a story in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 11. This is a story that I uh, have never really studied before until now. And so it's about Jesus raising another person from the dead, and I want you to know how much he wants to access these things in our lives. Luke seven eleven. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. So he had a group right here for this. He's traveling in a pack. Verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. Then the Lord saw her. His heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. So let's get a visual on this. Jesus is walking with a big crowd. This woman, this is a funeral. Okay, think about that, like a funeral with a procession, right? You got car after car after car, 
all going to a gravesite. That's these people. So they're, this widow, they're carrying out her dead son, and all these people are going with her for his burial, okay? Jesus has a great crowd. She has a great crowd. Y'all, these are witnesses. And he stops her, and he says to her, don't cry. Verse 14, then he went up, and he touched the bier they were carrying him on. And the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. So I never really, I know Lazarus being raised from the dead, but I've never really keyed in on this story right here. So this guy is being carried. He is dead and he is being carried on a mat. Y'all, Jewish custom, you could not touch unclean things. You could not just go up touching dead people, okay? Especially with all these witnesses. Like Jesus didn't just heal them in, in a discreet setting. No, there was crowd all around. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go touch this man. Jesus wants to do the same thing in your life, y'all. He wants people watching. He wants people present so that he will go up and he will touch the nastiest spots on you. He will touch the most unbearable things going on in your life. He wants to touch it and bring resurrection to it and say, you know what? This isn't humiliating for me because I'm about to bring my power in this. I'm about to restore some things. And right then the dead man sat up and he began to talk. Everybody was in awe. Y'all, they were at this man's funeral. They were at the, This man was done. They were carrying his dead body. And he's like, no, let me bring power to this. What in your life right now seems dead? You feel like you can't do it. You've tried time and time and time again. You've read all the books on losing weight. You've read all the books on how to save your marriage. You've read all the books on how to make your child come back. God wants to come and he wants to touch the things that are dead in your life and revive them to bring new life into them so that everyone will be in awe. That is a testimony worth talking out. All he cares about is reviving what is dead. This world throws anything at us from tragedy to trauma, sickness, demonic oppression, but Jesus and his name has the power to overcome it all. By abiding in Christ, we get to be involved in this kind of empowerment. John 16, 33 is the verse that I want us to be sure and memorize this week, to hide in our heart. It says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. John 16, 33. I pray that you will pray that verse over you, that the one in me has already overcome the world that the one in me is going to give me peace and power. And in him, I can overcome things. The ones around me can overcome things. That I want to access God's power, not for my own personal gain, but for his glory, to bring glory to God. And you understand that he wants to take part in this thing with you. I pray that this podcast encouraged you. Guys, share it. Go follow us on Facebook. Send me some messages and just let me know what this episode did for you. I'd love to hear about it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you that you can have a relationship with the one that created you. So spread Jesus.